Hey, welcome back to the Burundi Group Podcast, episode two, all about investing. Uh, actually, this is version two because we did a full podcast on this topic and forgot to record the audio. So <laughs> maybe the major takeaway today is going to be check your audio levels. Check the mics. <laughs> so I'm here today with um, two other realtors that I actually consider dear friends. Uh, Paulo DeVita Antonio from Ridge Realty Group. Mm, hey, thank B. Thank you very much. Hello. Happy to be here again. <laughs> again. <laughs> We're also not wearing the same clothes. We thought about it, so you guys wouldn't know. But. Um, and then from our own Burundi Group team, we have Stephanie Amendolia. Hey, Steph. Hi. Happy to be here. Awesome. So we're going to dive in um, and we're going to give you guys lots of tips and tricks on if you've never bought an investment property, if you're a seasoned investor, things to look out for or uh, things that you've never thought about. But just so you know where your information is coming from, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on these two rock stars in the industry. So uh, Paulo, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, how you got into being an investor-centric agent, um, but also for your sure. own background in investing. Yeah, in for estate. sure. So my... Uh, what did I call it the last time? I called it a journey. I thought that was <laughs> really a journey. It, it is. Real estate so journey. my real estate journey, it started when I was 24 and I bought, um, I really wanted student rentals. Don't ask me why. I thought yeah. that was like a cool thing to buy. So um, I went to my broker and uh, with 5% down, I was able to buy one in Thorold. I wasn't working at the time. I, I was doing my <laughs> apprenticeship. So I was uh, in school phase. So I was like on EI and somehow the Got a beauty of, of that <laughs> many change. years ago, yeah. you could get mortgages with that kind of stuff. Um, and then it evolved. You know, we went, uh, went onward and, and bought like duplexes, triplexes, things like that. Got really into flipping. Love the, uh, the instant gratification of being able yeah. to turn something ugly into something beautiful and get like the feedback from how nice it turned out and stuff. So. We were actually a part of it. So before Paulo was a yeah. realtor, he was a friend of mine and we actually uh, bought his duplex. So I've seen him mm -hmm. in action. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You do. Uh, I was also coaching. a client. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a client. Yeah, his friend turned client. Uh, turned realtor, uh, and now he can teach me a few things on multi-res. So oh. he's definitely, these two people are, are guys that I call all the time when I have questions. So um, yeah, definitely your journey expedited quite quickly. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now it's just, you know, I still invest, uh, but you know, now I take a pleasure out of trying to help other, make other people money as well, right? That's like awesome. that, that That's good fuel for what I'm doing now. Yeah. So. Awesome. So Steph, um, for realtors listening, Stephanie Amendolia, that last name might sound familiar. Steph is the prodigy daughter of Augie Amendolia, who, if anybody was in the multi-res buying investing cycle uh, circuit in, uh, I, just, I don't know, Augie, the last 10, 20, 10, years. Yeah. 20 years, um, you would have come across Augie Amendolia. He's, uh, he's a veteran for sure. OG. So, he's the OG in uh, multi-res. I know. Showing you guys properties. Yeah, I think he actually took day. us on some tours mm. when we were looking at some multifamilies downtown. So I remember him specifically up the stairs touring us around. Yeah, cool. yeah. he knew his stuff. Yeah. So Absolutely. I'm sure, yeah. Stephanie, he imparted some wisdom on you. Tell us how you got He sure did. <laughs> um, so I have been in real estate. It'll be eight years coming up in September. Um, my first investment was with my brothers and my dad we all went in and bought an eight unit apartment building um, close by to another one that we had and uh, flipped it in a sense held it for a few years and then sold that and then I ended up buying a condo and I haven't invested any more yet um, been too busy I guess helping other clients and things like that purchasing their own um, but yeah I can't wait to get into something new and you've done a lot of property management with management, your own family yeah. buildings, right? Like, how does that... Uh... Since high school, like I said, I remember when my dad was even at Remax Escarpment, I was 
coming to the office up on Fennel, and I was like a little punky girl in high school, <laughs> sitting at his computer doing performas. Like I knew what performas were at like 12 and 13. Something like, you're not supposed to know. No, that. like Absolutely. so when I started, I was like, is there a performer on that? They're like, this is a residential listing. There's no <laughs> such thing. Um, but yeah, so I helped um, growing up with you know going to landlord and and tenant court. Um, filing eviction notices, doing rent checks on people, Ooh, screening tenants, you know, all that fun stuff. And I think we talked about it before, like little timbits from the real estate side yeah. moving into kind of tenant screening was the geo warehouse. I think we talked about like checking to make sure if you're getting a tenant who is applying for a lease and they've got somebody listed as a landlord, pull up the geo warehouse. We have the you know mm -hmm. means to do that. Make sure that that owner totally. is the owner of that property and they're not kind of fibbing on things like that. Um, so it, definitely that background has helped with me kind of educating my clients when they've been looking to purchase anything from a two unit to 12 units, anything like that. So it's, it's definitely been helpful. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's true. And you know what? We help a lot of investors lease their properties and especially for first time investors, we do a lot of tenant screening for them. We, we do it less and less because I do feel it is important for um, the landlord to be satisfied with their tenant versus me. We definitely. might have different yeah. opinions. I have no issue with pets. Some landlords are pets and credit scores and all those kinds of things. But um, definitely educating a first time investor on things to look for when you're doing background checks oh, and absolutely. credit checks. You get one chance, you know, for the most part, to get into either a good situation or get into a very bad one where yeah. you might be at the yeah. landlord tenant board every other day trying to get your rent money. So yeah, it's really worth so it. Important. Yeah, to oh, getting absolutely. a good tenant and treating your tenants well too. Like um, I'd mentioned Brian Hogman, I remember him making a comment one time about treat your tenants well from the beginning. When they move in, get them a gift basket, yeah. you know, because it can make the difference of it's a Canada Day long weekend and their AC blows and they're calling saying, we need you here now versus, hey, it's cool, we'll wait it out for the weekend. Right. We got some fans, yeah. you know, right. so treat your tenants well, you know, they're there to help, Absolutely. you know, your property run sufficiently. Your landlord tenant currency, so Definitely. that's a good one. Yeah. Um, okay, so when we talk about um, buying an investment, so for a, a first-time investor that hasn't bought anything um, before, there's a lot of doors they could go into. They could go into pre-construction, they could go into duplex, triplex, they could go right into apartment building depending on budget. Um, what do you think makes a good investment at the end of the day? If, if somebody's got kind of a wide range that they're open to, mm -hmm. um, do, what do we look at? Do we look at cap rates or um, equity growth? Maybe, Paula, you can talk a little yeah, bit about so what a cap rate is even cap rates you know simply put are the correlation between your net operating income and whatever the purchase price is going to be um, typically on the smaller scale um, duplex triplex even single family we don't really look much at cap rates it used to be more prevalent but now um, what's more important for us is cash on cash return right yeah. we want to know how much are we putting into this thing and how much are we making on an annual return on our money what is that mm -hmm. percentage and how does that stack up against other investment vehicles, stocks, bonds, whatever. Yeah. Um, the big stuff where the banks really look at capitalization rate as a qualifier for your financing, then we start to really dive into caps for sure. But, um, and I don't know if your experience is the same, but on the small stuff, yeah. it's more cash on cash yeah. return. Which is a great way to say it. So people have never heard of that, that cash on cash. So if you put money into the stock market, what's your return on your initial investment? Yeah. Some people say, oh, well, here's my net at the end of the day. So it's, it's right. not put it, taking into account mortgages or carrying costs, but mm -hmm. just strictly, if you have 50,000, how much cash, cash am I making year over year Absolutely. on that 50,000? Because then you're looking at where else you could put it for, sure. for the same return. For sure. Yeah. I think for many years we had, um, well, Hamilton, historically, it had low rents. The mm -hmm. rents were you know, below market value. And we had so many 
people coming in from Toronto, even if they were duplex at the time, all they wanted to know was what's the cap rate? What's right. the cap rate? And Hamilton cap rates were low. They were like three to maybe you'd get like a 4.8, maybe very like slim chance. Um, so you had to kind of look at it and educate other agents and clients and say, listen, it's all about this future earning potential. Mm -hmm. Where is this building going to go? Exactly. Where is this duplex going to go? Um, it's not all about what it's making right now, right. but where can you take it? So Paolo talked about renovating units. Well, that's what you have to look at. What's your cash in versus your cash out? So you could buy something now that needs a full overhaul. Once you put a few thousand into each unit, maybe just doing kind of quick mm -hmm. changes here and there, how much more rent can you get? Where has the rent changed? So I think people now buying are a little bit more educated in terms of not focusing just on that cap rate and looking more at the larger grand picture of things. Yeah. Where is this building going to be in five years from now? How much more can I make on it? How much more rent can I make on it? Things like that. I find the uh, the new investors are the ones that really talk about cap rate a lot. And it's something yes. that they've read about or heard, heard about. Heard in the seminar. It's like, you know, it's fresh in their mind. They don't yeah. even know exactly what it means, but it's like this cool term that they heard. So they're like, well, what's the cap rate on it? I was told to I ask. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, need, I don't know. It needs to be a seven. <laughs> and I need a performa. Please uh, give me a performa. I'll just tell you that it's going to it's gonna net you this kind of a return. And this is what you're going to make at the end of the day. And if we pull it out over five years, this is what you're Returns going to be. I don't know what the cap rate is. Let me. I can do the math for you if you want. But yeah. I mean, that's really not the most important part here. Um, but yeah, they they slowly as soon as they own a property, I find like mm -hmm. the ones that buy and own and have operated investment properties yeah. really understand how to break them down and not focus so much on that cap rate, but look at the bottom line. Like, what is yeah. my cash flow? What is my return on a you know annual basis? So. Um, takes experience, I guess. Absolutely, and then there's some experienced investors that forget about the cash on cash or the equity yeah. um, growth in it. I have, a, I have a landlord right now that's had a property for years, and it's now time that it, it needs some renovation because we're we're getting to a point where we're going to start to need higher end rent, yeah. and the inside right. finishes don't necessarily right. meet that. So what started as a paint and flooring has now been, turned into a six figure kitchen, full kitchen kitchen renovation. Yeah. And her first question to me was, well, Alex, if I'm going to spend this much money, how much more can I get on the mm -hmm. rent? Yeah. And I said, well, you're not going to recover that money in your first year, maybe your first five years. I said, but you still remember this is, an, this is a property that you own, and that mm -hmm. investment is going to translate into the future resale value. Yeah. She goes, oh, my God, you know what? I didn't even think of that. So sometimes people get lost in those little month-over-month -month yep. cash flow things, mm -hmm. and you got to look at the whole picture, right? Exactly. That's awesome. Um, so when you guys are out working with investors, like who are you working with now? Like who do you find? Are we getting these? Is it young guys coming out of college? Maybe like you were in between jobs and looking at this mm -hmm. as a way to make money. Are we seeing the seasoned investors? Are we seeing any single women get into the investor cycle? Like who are you guys working with? What's lot, that profile? A lot more women actually. Yeah. Now that you mention it for sure, um, and a lot more women taking the lead, even in a husband and wife dynamic. Like I find Excellent. like the women are actually really involved, like way more involved than they used to be, and they're talking about you know, what kind of rentals do we have to do? What, what type of return are we getting? And they're speaking all the right language and it's, and it's really cool. Um, but also young people, there are, there are a lot that are just getting into their professions. Obviously, I think you have to have a level of income. So you have to have a yeah. pretty good job in order to, especially now with yeah. the way the pricing getting is. Getting mortgages or anything. To yeah. get qualifications and things, but uh, definitely a younger range. And you know, we were young when we were mm -hmm. doing it. So right. it, it's not changed dramatically, but um, definitely some young people coming up. For yeah, sure. it's all relative to the time you're in now. I'd say I've got a bit of a mix, like seasoned investors coming in. Um, a client Alex and I are working with that was 
thinking about 850. And they said, you know, we just want a duplex. We initially wanted something already done. We didn't want to have to do any renovations, right. go through the city, things like that. But then they figure, okay, if we're going to spend 850 on a duplex, because that's what things are selling for up on the mountain right now. Those yeah. bungalows with an in-law suite in the basement are selling for 850. Wow. So they figured, why not? When you're already up to 850, 300,000 more. Let's go to that one, 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 two, and see what else we can get. Mm -hmm. And in that market, you're looking at five plexes and under. Mm -hmm. um, so it opens it up, and I think investors too, if they're looking to invest on a scale up to a million, there is flexibility because they have the cash flow. As long as they do, obviously have the cash flow, but. Um, they're able to kind of move around to say, okay, what is going to make the best investment for us? Should we spend more to make more by having more mm -hmm. units? Or those first time kind of investors that you're talking about, Paulo, yeah, they're mm -hmm. looking more so for a duplex, a triplex, or something that they can cut up. Like I just showed right. a property yesterday that is four units. They bought it in August, two young guys, probably in their 20s, late 20s, and they're renovating the whole place. And it was beautiful, exposed brick, nice backsplashes, um, nice finishings. They had beautiful hardwood throughout. And they're young guys, and they're doing the work themselves, which mm -hmm. is nice to see. And that's the beauty of Hamilton, specifically, if we're going to talk about that market, is you can't over renovate them now like back yeah. back years yeah. ago doing like really cool exposed brick boutique style stuff yeah. was like oh god i'm not gonna spend that much money on it because i don't know what the rents are yeah gonna we have be. a ceiling yeah. here yeah. now i mean sky's the limit on the rent so yeah. you could really put out an awesome product yeah. and, and see it back. And right? people are looking for that. Like I, I tell my clients now, they're like, oh, what if we just did a little paint and, and you know change some light fixtures? And I said, there's a lot of people doing this right, right. now, so you need to have the units yep. looking nice. They want dishwashers, they want central air or a split system AC unit, you know? It's not as easy as it was maybe 20 years ago or 15 right. years ago with these landlords that would just, you know, change a coat of paint and, you know, Bob's your uncle and you got a new tenant moving in. You, you get out of it what you put into it, right? 100%. You, it's your product. If you put out an inferior product, you're going to get an inferior tenant base. Yeah, so that's right. put out something good and get good back. Because there's a lot of good professional tenants in Hamilton oh, right now in the terms of 100%. professional being, you know, they've got good jobs, they're just not ready to buy. Or they're here, you know, from the hospital and they're here on a residency or things mm -hmm. like that. Do you guys find, and I'm starting to talk to clients because every year at this time we start to do um, equity checks and we're starting to tell people about the amount of equity they have. Yep. And we have some people that just aren't ready to move. Say, so, you know what, Alex, I don't really need more space or um, we're not ready to downsize, wish we were. And I've had this conversation a few times and I said, well, you know what, guys, you've made a lot of money. And maybe there's a, one lady said, you know, there's a, a unit in the building that we love that came up, but when we're ready to downsize, that would be where we go. And I said, well, why are we waiting till you're ready to downsize and that unit might not be available? Mm -hmm. You have the equity. Why not pull it out, buy the unit to secure it so you know where you're going and then rent it for mm -hmm. now yeah. and then till you're ready to sell. Like I think there's a, a maybe a sort of trend as, as equity has gone up, maybe people don't need to move, but they're starting to look at a second property first right. before they yep. increase size. Are you guys seeing that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Your clients do. Uh, the refi market has become massive. People are pulling mm -hmm. equity to invest um, where I feel like that conversation used to be a tough one to have where people yeah. didn't understand the concept of pulling money out of your mm -hmm. principal residence, for example, and using it to invest in property. They yeah. thought, nope, I got to pay my pay mortgage, mortgage off. off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I've only got 20 years left. I'm going to pay it <laughs> off. And it's like, well, why not leverage that? you know, equity yeah. that you have and get more assets that are going to eventually pay themselves off down the road. So I find that like yeah. that is becoming way more mainstream than it ever was before. And yeah. I think it, it almost maybe seems like a daunting task, like buy something else and then I have to manage it. Mm -hmm. How do I get a tenant? Like people right. found mm -hmm. like, I don't know what to do. And now I think realtors are so invested in their clients. Like you said, Alex, like 
if my clients are buying an investment property, a duplex, even a single family or a condo, I'm there helping you rent it. I'm yeah. going to be there to help you get a tenant to educate you along the way so that you know you are able to do it because I think it's smart if you are buying something four units and under or three units and under depending on your your availability and your scope of knowledge I think it is good to manage your own buildings to start you want to know what's going into it you want to know mm -hmm. what's going on with tenants you want to know you're using the right forms things like that um, and in terms of what you were saying, Alex, I think that way of thinking is also very good in this market we have right now for these buyers who have maybe budgets of 500 and under, which is an extremely tough first time buyer mm -hmm. bracket right now. Um, and we've talked about it. Why not flip our thinking? I know maybe you're a first time buyer and you want that dream host house right now with all these wonderful finishings. Why not look at it as an investment? Buy what you can get right now just to get into that market. Right. And then either refinance it in a couple of years if yeah. you can, do an open mortgage variable and uh, refinance it and then use that money and buy something else or sell it in a few years. It Just because it's your first time buy doesn't mean it has to be your forever buy. It has to be the, everything yeah. on your wish list. You, know? you got to get and in. You gotta th get that into should it. encourage get people in. to do it younger. Like Some people yes. like living at their parents' house mm -hmm. at 20 to yeah. 25 and that's great, but they might have a good job already. Mm -hmm. so guys don't wait to get out of the market or get into the market yeah. when you're older just because that's the time in your life when you're ready to move out then buy an investment property and yeah. let that grow because it's going to grow faster than you can no one, save no one got to the top of the ladder without hitting the first rung no right? and i think a lot of people it. are nervous too like yeah. when you're even when i had a father who was in real estate and to this day i'm like why didn't you have me buy like five <laughs> properties i was working at dollarama and i yeah. had all this money saved yeah. up yeah but i think people are nervous like i know that you need you know two years income this and that but i think people get nervous to think like oh i won't even be able to get approved so I don't even want to try. Mm -hmm. But that's why yeah. we work with mortgage brokers. Exactly. We tell, like I tell clients all the time, call them mm -hmm. and set yourself up. They will tell you what to do to get there in six months to a year. And to yeah. that point, I can't tell you how many times I've sent them to a broker and they've come back and said, I didn't know that I could actually 100%. spend yeah. that much. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. yeah, but of course not. If you've never looked into it, yeah. how would you know? The financing is mind-boggling, and that's what we say is probably, yeah. we all can all agree, that's your first step. If you're looking yeah. to 100%. invest in real estate, some yep. people go, they go to the investment seminars, they read books, they want to go see properties right away. We all agree, first step is mortgage. Please, yeah, looking finance. at the camera right now. <laughs> yeah. If you He's are looking to, to get into real estate, please get your financing in order, figure yeah. out what you can mm. spend. It helps all of us so much more when we can focus and then we know where we should be sending you, what we should be showing you as opposed 100%. to just kind of like it's a throwing it out there and like yeah. see what sticks. Like that's not an effective way to do no, anything. No. And especially if you're looking at things, I always use the analogy for wedding dresses. Men, I don't know if you're you know, gonna get it, but all, all women looking at a wedding dress for $5,000, finding out their budget is 3,000. It's yeah. the same for houses. You don't want to be looking at things no. that you can't afford. It's going to, it's gonna turn you off of Set your, no, your right path. Set yourself up for disappointment. Exactly, right? like yeah. You don't want to get your hopes up and, yeah. then, and then have reality slap you in the face, yep. right? Like, right? Get the reality first and then go shopping. And have a plan and don't be discouraged yes. if it means not buying this year. Yeah. If they said, well, you need to save up 10 more thousand or you need to make this much more at work or whatever it is. Consolidating your debts, paying yes. off certain cards, putting it all together. Like, Remember, it's they a will journey. Help you. It's it a is journey. a journey. Paula said it's a journey, guys. It's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. Not a sprint. No. I mean, it could be a sprint too. You know, it depends. Short-term investments. I think we're talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you guys... Um, like, do you, do people expect to make money in their first year? Like, do you see investing in real estate as a short-term plan? Sure. Is it a long-term? Yeah. Can it be both? I think it's uh, regardless of short or long-term plan. Um, there's always money to be made in one form or another. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be cash flow, which which would be great if you set it up that way. If the property is, you know, 
has enough units, has enough rental income. Yeah. But truthfully, you're going to get a gain on your appreciation or your principal pay down. When you're mm -hmm. borrowing money for so little, uh, you're naturally going to build equity every mortgage payment yeah. that you make. So of course, of course there's money to be made in year one, for uh -huh. sure. I agree. Oh. Especially it depends on two, your investment. Like you said, you were doing flips to start. Mm -hmm. People are making money off flips. That's quick. Yeah, That's absolutely. a six to eight month um, kind of turnover there. Mm -hmm. And especially even now, like getting into the market now and closing in two months, people are making money, making money. in yeah. two yeah. months before they even close on their properties or excessively Alex talked so as well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's exclusive to the market right yeah. now but even you know alex talked about um new builds as an investment mm -hmm. yeah. buying at phase yeah. one to phase three mm -hmm. you're making money before they close so you don't have, when people think of investing i think so many people focus in on oh it's buildings or it's commercial it, no. it doesn't it can be anything it, it's small investments you know are great to start that's good to know who you are as a person and what your lifestyle is before you decide. Like some people come to us, and I think you guys find it too, we want to buy a duplex, we want to buy a triplex, we want a six unit apartment building, and they're very set on what they think they want. Yeah. But you have to know your time too. Like mm -hmm. I find there's some people that they're partners and they have families and they got careers and they're busy, but they want to take on a, a building in Paris or Brantford or yeah. um, North York or somewhere that's far away but they don't realize the amount of management that goes on on a day-to-day -day basis on a rental property Absolutely. of yeah. that magnitude. With multiple tenants, multiple things can happen. Yeah. And especially, like I said, if you're gonna be that hands-on, you wanna be there for light bulbs that are getting changed, yeah. making sure the, the pathways are salted, shoveled, things like that. So you gotta mm -hmm. make sure that you're accessible if you don't have a property manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because a hot water tank, if it's going to go, it's not going to go at yeah. 1 o'clock on mm -hmm. Sunday. It's going to go at 3 o'clock in the morning on Monday yeah. right. <laughs> when you're not available. So those things, like like I'm a single female, so I'm necessarily not the best person to own a, in my mind, a six-unit apartment building without a property manager because I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to cut the grass. I'm not going to do all these maintenance things yeah. mm -hmm. that maybe a single guy like Paulo at the time, if something broke, you'd have the wherewithal to fix it. So I tend to strictly invest in new construction condos. Yeah. There's no maintenance. I don't worry about it. Um, I invest a, a small amount of time over a few years and let that grow and that's kind of my, mm -hmm. that fits my lifestyle. I think when yeah. you have to look at an investment property, what is your lifestyle? What realistically and I guess, can you expect I, And I guess this, the best right? way to put it is there's no wrong answer. Right? No. Like no. Your, your appetite for certain things is going to change over the years and it may be different now than it's going to be in two or three years from now. You can always change your approach but yeah. you need to, you need to start somewhere I guess is the takeaway and whatever, whatever that starting point is, mm -hmm has to fit your lifestyle like, yeah. and kind of how you operate and, and know yourself. Like Don't you buy said, a flip like, property if you're not handy because yeah. you're no. going to lose all your and we've yeah. profit that in so, contractors. I can't tell you how many times people have come yeah. to me and said, listen, I want to do a flip. I'm like, okay, awesome. What do you do? Well, I'm, I'm an accountant or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, great. Like, do you have any skills on your own to do these renovations? No, 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 I, I, I've got two left hands. I'm like not. Well, there goes up. your entire budget. I'm like, okay, yeah. awesome, that, that's good. Okay, no problem. <laughs> do you have like contractors lined up? Oh, well, we were hoping that like you have a bunch of them and stuff. I'm like, well, guys, you gotta be a little bit prepared, right? Like yeah. a flip is a big proposition. Like you're, you're essentially becoming a contractor while you yes. do it. So, and there's a good way to lose a lot of money if you're not mm -hmm. doing it correctly. So Your timeline, yeah. yes. And knowing when up. people do it incorrectly. Like we've had some realtors and, and a partner of mine at one time was renovating their own house, but knew enough about what was being done to recognize that the plumbing was being done wrong. Oh, wow, so if you yeah. have no skills in right. that and you're going there and then these guys are going to take you for a ride a little bit, maybe yeah. delay it, oh, we didn't realize and we're going to mm -hmm. redo it. That's your, your, most of your profit budget or whatever, your profit in a flip 
is from that work that you've done yourself. Don't oh, you yeah. find sweat like equity. you can make more sweat money than your yeah, sweat sure. equity? Yeah. That's the best way to make the maximum return. Now, it's not always feasible. Yeah. Feasible. Sorry, I can't speak today. Feasible for everybody, but. <laughs> it's a Friday. It's a Friday. It's a Friday afternoon. This is the second case. Yeah, so, 2.0. 2.0. Okay, we're first ready. First one was full of mistakes. This one. Yeah. more polish. Uh, <laughs> or so we think. Now, what was I saying? Like, you know. I have something to say. Please, please, just uh, jump right in. I was going to say partnerships, investing and getting into a partnership mm -hmm. could be good. If you're yep. the accountant, maybe you know, you've know you got the money behind it, but you've got a partner who can put that sweat equity yep. in. You're going to team up and say, let's yeah. do a flip together. Those work well. And we're seeing Absolutely. it a lot more. Uh, like We're yeah. doing um, our investor newsletter, and it's going to be talking about that pairing up with a lawyer to kind of get you that information to make sure you're doing it correctly, you know, depending on if you're going to sell, hold it, who's putting yeah. in what. But I think it works. And I think especially in this market with it being so tough for buyers to get in, it is smart. Having that, that partner with you increases your budget and oh, sure. maybe your flexibility on what you can do with a property. And you can't take for granted what other people find value in, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, the handy guy might say, well, I can't believe I'm going to be able to partner with somebody and not put any money in. Whereas That's they're right. not considering that the guy with the money yeah. is thinking to himself, you mean I can do a flip and all I have to do is write a check? This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. So like, don't take it for granted. Like, no, work just with because, people, yeah. Just because you are set in one way doesn't mean that the that somebody else wouldn't do something, right? Like, Absolutely. It, and if you so guys are doable. one of those people in that partnership, you don't know that other person, right. Talk to us. Call yeah. Stephanie, yeah. call Paula. Because yeah. we have people on either side of that spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. So we can easily partner you with somebody that mm -hmm. we know has got the money or the experience to, to pull this off. It's just waiting off. for somebody to for maybe sure. increase yeah. that budget. For yeah. Sure. yeah, absolutely. So if you are looking to invest now, Hamilton has been on everybody's radar. It's been like the place to be for the last, I don't know, I could pull back a McLean's magazine from eight years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, before when Hamilton was the ugly cousin of Toronto and people wouldn't admit, even Burlington agents didn't like to cross the bridge to come to Hamilton. You guys remember these days. Yeah. So Hamilton's on everybody's radar, but now the prices have gone through the roof. Is Hamilton still a good place to invest? Is there still opportunity here? Yeah. Yes. I'd say so. Hamilton uh, for sure. Definitely opportunity. Yeah, your price points are going to be a little bit higher. I think the key now is you have to have a little bit of vision. And if you're jumping into an investment of some sort, you can't just set a criteria for yourself mm -hmm. and then try to find properties that fit your criteria. What you have to do is explore. Look at a lot of different things. Utilize professionals that, that are on the ground every day and find those properties that maybe aren't as obvious and then yeah. have a little bit of vision either yourself or with your realtor or whomever your partner and then see how what you can now do to those properties can now fit into that box of criteria yeah. and become a viable investment property. Yeah. Okay. Even looking back on the market now, like I'm trying to find properties that have been listed for over 10 days. They're, they're very Good minimal, luck. but there are some out there. Well, why didn't it work for somebody that maybe it can work for us? Right. Um, so you, like Paula said, you have to look at things kind of in a full scope of it and mm -hmm. see what's available, what's out there. And yes, there is still investment areas in Hamilton. You know, Homeside area, I would say, is a great place to invest. We saw Crown Point really come up in mm -hmm. the last at least even three it's years. It's affordable down there, actually. It is. Which is like funny. East Hamilton, like 
for the longest time, like nobody was buying on Melvin. Melvin yeah. Avenue, like I remember driving around um, with my dad and, and he would be like, oh, you know, this is kind of large apartment areas and things like that. But now you're seeing more people buying mm -hmm. in these East End areas oh, and they're sure. making money off it. Like yeah. it, it helps too with what's happening with our restaurant scene. Obviously, you know, with COVID things aren't as vibrant as they used mm -hmm. to be, but we kind of had our Lock Street and then we moved to mm -hmm. James Street and then Ottawa Street, which was, you know, a textile industry for years and years finally became somewhere that had butchers and the Cannon Coffee Co. and gelato bars and wax bars and things like that. That, that Street of the East, right? And it is, yeah. yeah, yeah like absolutely. people loved Crown Point for that reason. And yeah. I had clients, my very first deal in real estate was on Kensington Avenue North. And Ottawa Street was not really there at that point. I don't even think the Cannon Coffee Co. was uh, was open at that point. And they ended up, they sold in a year and they made 100K on it. Mm -hmm. Like that was an area that was like, kind of like, eh, we're not sure about, but it came up. So anybody who invested in Crown Point area my, at least three to five years ago is, is gonna do well. My second deal was in Crown Point and it was a huge triplex on Park Row. Oh yeah. For It was listed at 199. And I got it for? And I got it for 201. It was amazing. You a know? triplex. For a tri and it was like 3,500 square feet. It was a huge truck. Do you still have that one? Well, it's client. I did. I. Oh, I thought maybe you bought it. Listen, we're not going to kick me for not <laughs> I know. I know. Really I know. <laughs> if we all bought Tesla stock. Where's the damn time machine? Like, get me back there. Honestly, no, we are looking uh, back. Really good client of mine. Still a client of mine. And they, they bought it. And it, uh, I mean, they still have it. See, that's amazing. a great but, investment. But that was Crown Point at yeah. the time. And it's obviously increased since then. But it's still relatively affordable. Like, yeah. It is a really undervalued pocket. Like, to yeah. be close to transit, to have the Ottawa yep. Street restaurants and amenities, um, better schools. Close to Nikola Tesla, close, yeah. to, close to the Red Hill, mm -hmm. like... I don't know, and it has the, the style of homes to still do, maybe you have a one and a half story upstairs yeah. and you have a separate yep. side entrance to a basement apartment. It yeah. still sure. has that, that the mountain has done so well with, but I don't oh, yeah. know why people haven't realized, maybe that's your tip for today, guys. If you're thinking about doing a, creating a duplex. Yeah. Um, Those center floor plans are big in that area. Yeah, mm -hmm. look at that East Hamilton area. Um, and we're also going to talk about creating accessory apartments. Paul, I don't know if you've done this yourself or with yeah. your clients. I think you have, but creating accessory yeah. apartments. It's something we're going to talk about this month in our newsletter. It's all um, the rage. The city's, the city's passed Bill 108, which yeah, Augie, yeah. Stephanie's dad, talked to us about the other day uh, about creating accessory apartments because the city's so short mm -hmm. in housing. Mm -hmm. So what's that process look like of, of going through to, to legalize a basement apartment? So yeah. it's so much nicer now than it used to be. So really? The city of Hamilton is, as like, alluding to that point you just made, um, has eased their restrictions on it. They're trying to make it easier for investors to do it. And truthfully, as long as you cooperate with them and you do it the proper way, they're not there to jam you up. Yeah. They're not trying to hinder you. They just want to work with you. And they're telling yeah. you, these are the rules, these are the stipulations. And it's pretty straightforward. Right? Yeah. So yeah. when you're looking at a property, like when we do it, if we're looking for it, we want it to meet as many of the criteria of Section 19 of the Building Code as possible. So mm -hmm. we don't have to go through the minor variance or changing any, zoning. You know, right. Zoning for sure. Yes. Yeah. If it's got if it's bad in a zoning, residential, then yeah, you kind of want yeah. to steer away from it. But, but you're looking it, for a residential. So explain that a little bit on that zoning. So um, typically the D zone in Hamilton, if we're being specific, yeah. is uh, single and two family dwellings. Okay. So if it's in the D zone, which a lot of properties a are, lot let's of that be honest, so even up the mountain, yeah. um, you're okay. pretty good. And even if it is in the C and, and strict residential, yeah. you can still put accessory units in them okay. uh, without doing variances. The biggest um, roadblocks that we ha that we find are parking, because okay. you need, Unit. especially for yeah. a duplex, you, you need tandem to. parking, you gotta be side by side. It has to have a certain width, obviously, of the driveway, but you also need 
a certain amount of green space too. So you can't just eat up all the your grass. The whole front, right? yeah. So do you need one unit, one parking space per unit? For a duplex. For a, For a duplex. duplex, yeah. And uh, then if you're not able to, um, you know, abide by the rules that they're setting, that's when you apply for your minor, minor variances, variances, right? Which basically means you're asking for an exception Ex from the city. Exactly. Yeah. You but pay for it. But it's not just from the city, because okay. they, they send the letter out to all the neighbors. So yeah. it's, and, uh, and then it goes to the Committee of Adjustments, and if anybody that's been notified of this in the immediate area has wants to air their grievances and come to, <laughs> you know, the, 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 come the with committee, the bell ringing, yeah. they can, right? Very rarely do they get in your mm -hmm. way. I mean, it's it's not something that Especially in that kind of urban dense area, like, it, if I've got clients who are looking specifically for um, any type of multi-res downtown, mm -hmm. A, I alert them, they're not all legal. You have to understand there are a lot of illegal or legal, legal non-conforming yes. units in Hamilton that that we've talked about. And in, I think it was 2016, 2017, you know, the city at that point was going after them and they were mm -hmm. evicting all of these people. And then a bunch of realtors and landlords stood up and said, listen, like we already have a homeless issue in the city yeah. and now you're going to be evicting all of these people who are renting apartments. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to make it safe, you know, and I think what they were trying to do was get rid of those, you know, hate to use the word slumlords. Um, they were trying yeah. to get rid of that. They were trying to, yeah. you know, at least have these units be safe. Um, but what I look into, and I'm sure the both of you do the same thing, if a client is looking in an area that maybe isn't, you know, legal right now, but like Paula said, you're looking at that zoning. I want to make sure at least how many other mailboxes are in the houses mm -hmm. around us? Are there primarily other multi-reses around us? Or are you the only duplex on this full row of single yeah, family homes? Right. That makes a difference That's because a when it does That's go huge. for, That's you know, huge. minor variances or the committee of adjustments, those neighbors might not be as accepting as people who say it's a lot of tenants in the area well, and things yeah, like that. So you've got, got to know your surroundings. If you've got the neighbor with the manicured lawn on the residential street and he's out there, you yep. know, cutting his grass with scissors and stuff and trying to make and it you're perfect, saying, we and you say, hey, we're going to put three spots, units yeah. here, they're going to say, nope, no, and they're going to yeah. come to the committee of adjustments and make your life yeah. miserable. So, so know your surroundings. Good advice. Do a yeah. quick do pan research. count. Yes. Mailboxes, yeah. fire escapes are yeah. good, like yeah. telltale. We do that with uh, single family. If people are looking for uh, a single family house and we say, well, what's the area like? I say, okay, stand on your back deck and look around. Mm -hmm. If you see fire escapes coming out of every single house around you, you're the only single family and everybody mm -hmm. else is two and three and four units yep. not that there's anything wrong with that but there's gonna be a lot more activity in Absolutely. your neighborhood maybe less families more single or couples because that's generally what fits in those apartments yeah and a lot of right? cars parked on the street if they don't have the parking yeah. right yeah. yeah check as many boxes as you can before you get started and yeah. then you know it makes your process easier you oh know, yeah. if, you're, if, if it meets almost none of the section 19 yeah. that you're, you're going to be you know, uphill Start battle. Over. You've got a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. Do we need so, parking, um, fire, like uh, fire rating between floors so or anything like that? Parking is huge. So lot size is, is a big one so that you can okay. accommodate the parking. Even if it's not there yet, as long as the lot size makes it happen, uh, yeah. is, is enough, then you can make it happen. Um, Overall square footage because you need certain uh, square Floor, footages per area. unit. Ceiling oh, okay. height too for basements. Uh, ceiling height for basements, of course, because there's a there's a delineation between what is considered a basement and what is considered a cellar. A cellar mm. can't be converted into a I don't legal know if you remember, suite. We looked at a property and there was yeah. a lady living next to a furnace. Oh, like, so I remember oh, some of these basements are, like, are bad, and that's the thing. And that's what the city was trying to crack down on. Right, but that's the irony with the legal thing, yeah. right? Like, right. There are units that are amazing, safe well done, perfect, don't have the paperwork. Yeah. So they're illegal. Yeah. And then there are the ones like you're talking about. Which that you have, are, their head is next to a They have all the paperwork. With a drywall in between, legal, nothing fire rated. Legal triplex and it's awful. It's, awful. it's yeah. like, you know, it's more important to be 
to build a good product and have a safe product mm -hmm. than to just make sure that you have all the paperwork first. So if you're yeah. only looking for legal stuff, then you're really narrowing you're your, limiting yourself your and they, they will be more expensive there is a higher price tag 100%. on that and then to um, interconnected smoke detectors that is a big oh, thing I, yeah. I always ask mm -hmm. anybody who has you know mm -hmm. any type of multiplex small or large like is it interconnected smoke detectors because that is the biggest thing especially if you know that your client is buying something that might have this legal non-conforming basement mm -hmm. you want to make sure that it's fire safe mm -hmm. you want to make sure the windows are large enough and those might be things that they don't have now the client wants it okay well let them know this is what you're going to have to change this is my suggestion get smoke detector yeah. or uh, fire extinguishers in every one of the units change the windows make them larger put some money into it yes. at least make this unit even if it's already rented make it safer for your insurance and for your own peace of mind that you know that you this Said, you just said the perfect word too, and this is for everybody that is not going to care and still is going to buy illegal units. <laughs> yeah. Don't lie to your insurance company. Tell <laughs> yeah. them exactly what you got going on yeah. there yeah. because it's it may save you in the short term, but it's going to cost you a lot if yeah. there is God forbid a fire. Yeah. So yeah. Tell your insurance company. There's there's doing. more to it than and just because some other landlord accepted a property and left it the way it was, it doesn't mean you should. You don't no. need to be that guy or girl. We know more now, right? Yeah. We're more savvy when it comes to investing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make it safe. And the other part of, it, of, of the legal apartments and people to circle back to financing is that if the apartment's legal, you can use the income to qualify for your financing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and we see sometimes realtors don't know the difference <laughs> between legal and legal non-conforming and completely illegal. And they will yeah. price a single family house that has three units the same as a legal triplex. Mm -hmm. yeah. Don't pay for no. that. There is a difference. Um, and pull zoning verifications. Like yeah. some realtors don't, right? They don't. And no. they go, oh, it says on Geo Warehouse, it's a duplex. I'm like, you cannot go by geo. <laughs> you need to go from what the city says. You need to pull that zoning verification to show. And if it's not, if it's a legal fourplex operating as a fiveplex, well, that's what your client is going to be getting financing for. They're going to get financing Income for a legal units. four unit, yeah. not five units. How do you know it's legal? Oh, it's got three hydrometers on the site. Yes, that's not a thing. The hydro like, company will put a meter anywhere you want. They'll put it on yeah. your garage. It doesn't right. mean yeah. it's a legal accessory you apartment. Know, it's <laughs> zoning verification, like Stephanie said, is the only real way to know for sure. They're not expensive. You know you have a listing no. coming up, mm -hmm. order it. Get yeah. it done, yeah. have it there because every that's the first thing any realtor is going to ask you. Do you have a zoning verification? Do you have a survey? You know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And as a, as a buyer agent, if you're working with these guys, we protect you. We make sure we order. If the listing agent isn't doing their job, you can make sure that the person you have working for you is doing absolutely. their job. Again, if you want to use that that income for financing, that you need to know if those units are legal. Otherwise, you can't use any of it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, so we've kind of talked about um, a lot of those things and the outlying areas. We talked about, I know, Paul, you've been in um, Brantford and Paris a lot lately. Yeah. Like, what yeah. what's the next Hamilton, do you think? Like a St. Catherine's? Ford year? Are we going Niagara Way? Is um, it Paris? Like, where are we seeing everybody move next for the next? I feel like they've always been there. Like, yeah. it's not like they just popped out out of nowhere. Neither right? did like Hamilton. St. Catharines. St. Catharines is a viable market. Brantford. Brantford, yeah. Brantford is starting to get a bit saturated now. Yeah. Um, I'm finding more and more of the competition that's happening there now is. I, I used to think we were the out of town agents. I was but in now competition even with twenty one like offers. Further out of town. Twenty one offers in on a semi in Brantford oh, last man. night. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's getting it's getting to the point where they're starting to become a bit prohibitive as well, cost wise. However, their rents are really good, so we can really? still get some cash flow out there, even at a higher price range, because it's still lower than let's say something in Hamilton mm -hmm. of the equivalent size and kind of style. So yeah. um, it does have a lot of similarities with Hamilton. So there's a good um, 
familiarity with yeah, the investors when they, when they jump yeah. over to that market. It's, it's, it's similar to when the Toronto buyers came to Hamilton. Um, there was a lot of things that reminded them of Toronto, yeah. right? So yeah. it, it made for a, a good fit for them because they were comparing, oh, this reminds me of, and we were talking about this last time, and I don't know any <laughs> streets in Toronto. What was it, Queen Street? Oh, Queen Street. Everything is Queen <laughs> This reminds me of Queen yeah. in Toronto, and it's yeah. like, yeah. It, it, it built at sure the same time, the city. Yeah. yeah. So so they were familiar, and it, and it made for a really easy transition into our market, and now Brantford's kind of similar. St. Catharines is a little bit different altogether. It's it's a It's a... It, it, you're right. When you drive to St. Catharines, it doesn't yeah. feel like Hamilton. Whereas, like no. you said, Toronto can exactly. feel like Hamilton and vice versa. Exactly. When you get into that downtown core, for sure, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll notice it. But yeah. that's where you, like one of your student rentals. Thorold? I had Thorold and yeah. Welland at the time. Um, and those markets are actually for home buyers. I mean, like they're taking yeah. off. Like Font Hill is beautiful. Welland, I, I oh, used yeah. to think Welland was awful, but Welland has some really nice spots now. Mm -hmm. Like, um, And ripe for investment. Any Anywhere where there's a good single family market and like people want to live yeah. is a good place for investment too, right? Like, yeah. Absolutely. There's going to be renters out there. So And the, and the quality of town. If you would live there, then probably some of that you're going to rent to, yeah. you're exactly. going to agree with too, right? Exactly. Um, takeaways for tenants and, and screening tenants. Um, I'm going through this right now. We're looking after a condo building and, and every, like I said before, everybody's got their uh, do's and don'ts and wants and don't wants and pets and credit mm -hmm. scores we talked about. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, some people want to see a 900 credit score, 850 credit score, and $100,000 income renting a condo. These are home buyers, right? right? Yeah. They're not necessarily right. going to apply for your yeah. one bedroom in downtown Hamilton sure. next to the furnace. Yeah. So <laughs> is there any advice you give people for screening tenants? Do you use programs? Like I'm starting yeah. to use that Neighborly. So we were using Neighborly for a while. Yeah. Um, we still do sometimes, but we stopped because they started charging and, yeah. not, and charging the tenant, and it was harder to get them to fill out the application. Yeah. I don't want to go crap on. Just do your own. Still good. Yeah, do your I, own. I like to do it myself as well. Like yeah. I want to, I want to be able to call um, their references, and I'm really looking for employment. I want to know about your verifiable income, yeah. and I'm sure you guys are the same way. Your credit score is important in the sense that I want to see if you're a habitual, mm -hmm. you know, you have, history you have of a problem, yeah. right? Like there's an issue or happening there. Or did you just, there. you know, not pay a credit card once? You came from a divorce. Divorce have, is yeah. huge. Divorce And they is might like, have a great job yeah. and it, it just affects their credit. They're not uh, a bad tenant. But it's income. It, it's, I want to see a job letter from your employer and I want to be able to call somebody and talk to them and verify. And I think we mentioned the last time, you know, you don't just read what's on the sheet you try yes. to you try to trip You've them up a little it, yeah. bit right you got to be like okay well so and so said that he makes 20 you know he put on his job letter that he makes 25 dollars an hour but you say he makes 28 dollars an hour and get them to correct you yeah right? you want yeah, you want to know absolutely. that you're talking to somebody that's actually you know in the company that they work for that is in charge that did yeah. write that letter right so you want to mm -hmm. like because they will they will correct you if they're if absolutely they will. Yeah. and and if they don't correct you then you got to wonder like well who is this is it like your brother yeah or something? i'm the <laughs> queen because i never call any employer that's on the on the with the phone number that's on their application like i google the, the name number, the hr person yeah. i'll call right. the office directly from the website Smart. and i don't have an extension can i speak to mm -hmm. so and so or anybody in payroll or human yeah. resources like i just like i'll do that call just to find out. We would ask for, and we still do, so we want obviously their current landlord to get a reference, but we're right. always asking for their previous landlord as well. Yeah. Because, and calling that previous landlord, and sometimes you're like, oh, I lived in uh, you know, a different city. I'm like, I don't care, I want that. You, sure. How do you not remember who your last land, like two landlords were ago? So yeah. we call because you might get a glowing reference from a landlord right now who wants that tenant out, mm -hmm. versus right. the That's previous landlord, and That's that was a, a tip point. from Angie, the previous landlord is the one who's going to give you 
you an honest, yeah, right. they were, you know, he's here's got no, the situation. He's got nothing to lose, right? That exactly. Got it's no, gone. No so, investment. And, and I always say that. And I said, would you rent to them again? Absolutely. Or no. Or landlords, be honest. Like, you have to, you can't deter somebody from renting to a person, but you can be honest. If that person was late, if they left sure. it a mess, if they were, you know, a nuisance to other tenants. Um, and I think a lot of landlords do want to work together in that sense because it can be a headache sometimes if you have Absolutely. a tenant who is yeah. terrible. Then, you know, I was yeah. going to say a tenant from hell, but it, it can be awful. It can really put a lot of stress on you. And so we're doing these screenings to make sure that, A, the building runs smoothly and for the respect of the other tenants. When I am screening people, I'm saying, listen, I'm asking all these questions. I'm being very in-depth because I do this to everybody so you can feel safe and you can feel comfortable yeah. knowing everybody else in this building has gone through the same process. Yeah. So we all have kind of similar like-minded yeah. people in this building and they run pretty smoothly. If you're just letting anybody here or there, you're, you can feel the dynamic of the building. Somebody might not abide by the rules and they smoke in their unit, which they shouldn't be, or somebody has a super barky dog or a really loud car, like things like that. Like yeah. you, you gotta know everything about co who's coming into the building. Tenant mix is important. Yeah, yeah whether you can sure. do anything about it or not, you're getting that phone call day yeah. after day exactly. complaining and that's uh, another piece yeah. of being a landlord that you know, maybe you want to go to the property management yeah. room so you don't have to hear it. Um, I don't know if you guys do, but I call realtors. When people say, oh, I have to move because I've sold, they've sold my house well, that I was smart. renting, then I'll go through and find the listing, look yeah. at the photos, and I'll call that realtor. Say, hey, you guys just sold a house. There was a tenant. How were they? Right. How were they with showings? How was the place? Did you have smart. to clean it? Sometimes there's no photos. Oh, no photos due to tenant, whatever. Yep. I'll call the realtor. So again, if you guys have the right person on your team, we'll do enough due diligence for you that when we hand over a tenant, say, you know what? And it's usually the best of the best. There's 10 applicants that I didn't even show you. Yeah. That, you know, I just want to show up with keys today in a bag. Can I walk away with the unit? Uh, yeah. No. no. Nope. And we want to put a good tenant in there because we don't want you to have to call us and be like, oh no, I, you know, they're not paying. They're doing this. Like yeah. it looks bad on us. So we're going to do our best to get Absolutely. you guys a good tenant and give you yeah. all the tips so that if you are doing your own rentals, you know what to look for and what to ask. Yeah. And tenants out there, when you're asked to supply documents, mm -hmm. the quicker you supply, the, the more diligently that yeah. you supply oh, yeah. your documents, that tells a lot about you, right? Here's like, my credit I check, here's it. my employment letter, here's yeah. a reference, it's here's like, everything. Yeah. That goes a long way too. Your organizational behavior, like the way that you yeah. operate. Treat it like with a job. Us. It's a job yeah. interview, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that, that goes just as far I've as. I've intentionally been aloof else. with yeah. tenants sometimes and not responding to yeah. see their follow up, to yeah. see how how quickly That's they get trick. everything without me requesting yeah. it at all the time. Like, you, I'm just going to let it go and see if they are on, on the point. ball because I want to see, do I have to chase them for rent or are they going to be like, hey, I remember you wanted this or you asked for this yeah. and what else did you so want? True. I love those people. Yeah. So true. Those guys it's are like really a good. little technique like on the phone with them. If you're quiet, you don't ask a lot of questions, let them do the talking. Yeah. Wait to see what they're going to say to you. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up, but just any uh, final, you know, behind closed doors after dark stories, any funny, odd things that have happened while showing rental properties. I know Paula's watched me fall oh, wow. up and down staircases. <laughs> and I watched my realtor in six inch she wears heels, heels all uh, the time. going up and down fire escapes <laughs> in, in January and uh, thought there was going to be a moment where I'd have to save her life. And never Get a happened, pair of bloodstones, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a fish out of water. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, um, yes, we're going to go to that top With the part. stiletto in between the fire, the, the metal <laughs> fire escape. Um, I've got two things that come to mind. One, um, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the, the previous podcast and it's something that um, it didn't happen just, just kidding just kidding <laughs> um realtors if you're listing multi-res and you guys agree i know label your keys 
That is oh, one thing please. we talked about. You know, it's nothing's worse than showing up to a property. You're all excited, you got your clients behind you, you open up the lockbox and literally it explodes with 20 keys popping in your yes. face. Label them, it makes it easier for the showings. Um, and another thing is be there for your showings. This is something that I took from my dad. Anytime I had a multi-res property, that was something I would tell the seller. It would make the seller feel very comfortable. It was in our listing presentation. Like, I will be there for every single showing that this property has. And make a relationship with those tenants. I was the one who was confirming all the appointments directly with the tenants because it helps. If you're nice and kind to these tenants, I would sometimes even drop off gift certificates. Here's Tim Hortons, $20, because we're gonna be having showings here and there. It, yeah. it makes for a smoother process and yeah. it helps the realtor coming with their clients because nobody's gonna know that property better than you and your clients. So you're able to answer all those yeah. questions so that the seller has told you all the information about the property. So be there for your listings. It, it really helps you in the long run yeah. with getting an offer and it definitely helps your seller and I think it helps your seller feel confident and comfortable knowing who's going through the building, who's interacting with our tenants, yeah. what are they asking, what are they saying. Especially with COVID right now, I'm doing it with yeah. a tenant-occupied yeah. property because the tenant wants to make sure everybody's wearing masks and gloves. Yeah. And we had one showing go through where I wasn't there and they took their masks off in the unit. It's and rude. he all of a sudden wanted to deny showings, which is now a problem for the owner who wants to sell. So yes. now I am there, say, here's your gloves, here's your mask, mm -hmm. go yeah. through. And the tenant said, you know what? I appreciate the extra care. And now he's a little bit more willing during a pandemic yeah. to let us they show every right. his space. Because that's the thing, the tenants aren't yeah. selling. They're the one that they're the ones who have to go through the people coming through yeah. their home on work days after a long day at work or if they've got kids. So they're they they're letting you in. They have, they have nothing, nothing to gain. To gain you're so, so right. Yeah, so you're work with them. them. And you know, bringing if you're thinking about not wanting to be there for your showings because you think you're gonna butt heads with the other agent, I love it when the listing agent is yes. there. Like yes. I keep my hands in my pockets. Oh, yeah. I don't need to fumble with any keys, and you yeah. can just take me through. And they're the telling tour. you all love of the it. things to point things out. Not that we're not gonna notice things, but there's. There's things about buildings that not everybody right. knows. Yes. The, the right. listing agent will know them and the seller will know them. So exactly. it's good to know, hey, the hydro is actually connected to one unit as well as the common corridors. That's yeah. something you should know. Things like that. Like, They're going to give you those little tips that, uh, exactly. that are- better than sending a giant email before they're showing of all the things you need to know that they're never going to retain. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Awesome. Um, what about funny stories? You had a funny story well, from your last one, I thought. I don't know if they're funny. I, <laughs> I had a funny story. Oh, <laughs> funny I'm all business, you know? Like, there's no humor whatsoever. No, I, not stories, but I mean, I would say what I, what I take away from everything is that you gotta do something, like, take some action, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there's a lot of, of talk and reading and research and, you know, beating your head against the wall. <laughs> You gotta just, you gotta take a step at some point, right? Like Paul is laughing listening to people come back from investment seminars. And, oh, oh my gosh. That's the, <laughs> that's the bane of my existence. The three pages you know, of conditions like, and clauses. And... Like who wrote this? Like, yeah. you're, you're, did you get your lawyer to draft this contract? Like yeah. it's 16 pages long. Like And they do, and they show up earnestly with this stuff, it, right? Like here's what I want to do. This in my offer. And you just... Seriously, it's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So can, <laughs> we just like, can we just use like a regular one? Maybe like some inspection. Do you want to get this house? Yes. Like, well, or this property, then let me do what I do. Yeah, the, 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 the seminar people, God bless them. They're, they're the ones that yeah. they take comfort in talking about it and mm. you know asking a lot of questions with their peer group and stuff. And it's, and it's great, absolutely. But at some point, you got to get outside of that. You got to yeah. surround yourself with people that take action, right? Like yeah. if, you're, if you're not doing that, then you're not taking any action either. So be around people that are doing bigger things than you. Yeah and it will encourage you to do some big things. And even if you're not catching them, 
you're still better off than everybody else that's doing nothing. But doing nothing. Was that the okay. line? The, that, that, was, that might have been. Yeah. Yes. You're on your journey. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, hopefully we recorded it this time. Yes. And, uh, yeah. We have Todd here. We have our yes. video guy to make Beautiful. sure. I think hey, it came Todd. out better than the uh, first one. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to either of these two rock stars. Like I said, I do it all the time. Um, Anything you need to know, Stephanie Amandolia, Paulo DeVita Antonio, Ridge Realty Group, Barandi uh, Real Estate Group. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. We're posting stuff all the time. Um, or send us a DM because we'd love to help you guys get started. And happy okay. Friday. Happy, happy Friday. Friday. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>